0: The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Well, folks, you made it to Friday, and hopefully, hopefully, this is the operative word here, hopefully. Your team is still in okay shape. I know, speaking of my own head-to-head playoff matchup, I'm continually staring down the barrel of what is the team going to do without Trey Young. However, and I guess that's a decent enough way to start a podcast. However, we got word yesterday that is a grade two lateral sprain of Trey's ankle. I think it was his left, if I'm not mistaken. And the recovery is basically just when the swelling and discomfort go down. Trey has been ruled out for the two games this weekend, meaning today and Sunday. The Hawks are hosting the Heat and the Bucks. They have a four-game week next week, and actually starting on Sunday, they run five games in seven nights. So this is a critical head-to-head playoff decision. I personally think you cannot drop Trey Young because it's not quite the out indefinitely tagged that folks were dealing with on the James Harden side where you're like, look, this dude's out for a couple of weeks at least. Hamstring stuff is very finicky and very lingering in a way that ankle things, at least with some guys, and there's a high ankle sprain, that's sort of a different beast, but this was not a high ankle sprain. This was low, lateral, as they're calling it, side of his left ankle. Um, And so, you know, there's a way where if the foot is stabilized, he might just try to push himself back out there in three or four games. We don't really know. By all accounts, it sounded like most grade two ankle sprains take about two weeks to recover from. That's what the old data was pointing at. As you, you know, all the Twitter doctors getting their stuff out there and hunting down other ones. But every player is unique. That was the average was about two weeks. There are some guys that came back in one, some guys that came back in three. That's what an average means. Not everyone is exactly right on the median. It's a mean, not a median. In fact, the mode, if we're going to do the three, <laughs> that takes me back to like, I don't know what the hell year that was, sixth, seventh grade, something like that. Uh, That means that guys come back faster and slower. So I don't think you can drop Trey Young, but I do think what you can do is grab a replacement, and Brandon Goodwin is in a really good spot right now, and basically what you need to be doing is grabbing Brandon Goodwin and using him until the very moment you find out Trey Young is coming back, whatever day that is, and then you just abandon ship immediately, because you're about to get someone who, in the two games he started when Trey was out last week, put up you know, like seventeen, five, and five type of numbers, like really big fantasy games as a full time starter. And then you just have to be ready. Because when Trey comes back, Goodwin plays thirteen minutes and doesn't do anything. I mean, he was putting up he put up huge numbers in those two starts, and I don't think he'll shoot as well, uh, in it, a, a larger sample size. He went seven for 10 and six for 12 in those two ball games, but averaged 17 and a half points, three threes, a steal. Presumably that'll stick, something like that. I mean, he played big starters minutes. And then if you're looking at the five and seven stretch, you might even make an argument for a Lou Williams, who, as we talked about yesterday, his role doesn't change very much, whether or not Trey Young is in or out, but... Every fringy guy on the Hawks gets a little bump with Trey on the shelf, however long that may be. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Friday's edition of Fantasy NBA Today. This is a HoopBall presentation. I'm your host, Dan Bespris. You can follow me and the website on Twitter. I'm at Dan Bespris. D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. The website is at Hoopball Fantasy. That is a running 24-7 fantasy news feed which will have stuff like when Trey Young's diagnosis or the MRI results came back. All that stuff is out over at Hoopball Fantasy. The website is hoop-ball.com. Hoop-ball.com. Go check out the Fantasy Pass for $4.99. Get it here for the last month of the NBA regular season. Let us guide you to your finals championship or your Roto championship. We'll walk you through these last few weeks. You will come back. I can basically promise, if you get a Fantasy Pass and you get yourself into our Discord, that's a really big deal, so you can chat with the pros, you will come back. You will. And a lot of you guys are like, oh, you know, I've come this far, whatever. No, this is perfect. This is the absolute perfect time to just lock it up. Spend $4.99. That's all, it's, that's all it takes to jump into that thing. You get a whole month that'll take you through to the end of the regular season. You'll be happy you did. Last week on Friday... We went through a streaming guide for all four remaining weeks. Today, this Friday, is actually going to be a little bit more like any other day of the week. And that basically, for these last four weeks of the NBA season, is we do a recap and a preview, but we break it down between what is head-to-head relevant and what is roto-relevant. And every day I say, well, we're going to probably get it done in 35 or 40 minutes today. And every day I go 50. But today, damn it, I'm going to try to get it done in 35. So let's dive into a slightly shorter Thursday recap. Nothing overwhelming, but a couple of interesting tidbits mixed in there. And then we'll take a look at the weekend upcoming, because I really do want to go through each team and make sure that we're sort of aware of what they have coming up. What is what is the, the not too distant future, maybe the more distant future. I don't want to do a whole streaming guide again, but this is about guys that maybe moved above or below the cut line based on what we saw on Thursday night and things to watch for over the weekend. So yeah, as, we, as we've been doing all week long, the look aheads are actually a little bit less intricate now because we're not hunting rest of season value really at this point. You're just hunting for a game or two here and there of guys that can give you top 50, top 60, top 70 kind of streaming numbers if you're in roto, and in head to head, you're looking for guys that are playing a bleep ton of games. Phoenix had very little in the tank last night in Boston. They put up 86 points in a regulation basketball game, and that is special. Boston put up 99 and 1. Luckily, Kemba Walker took care of 33% of the team's offense. That was one of his better games of the entire season. He'll sit out the second half of their back-to-back, but Kemba's actually been a pretty big part of Boston's recent success. I wouldn't take too much away from this game on either side. The injury reporting on each of the two teams is, is easily the most relevant info in that on the Phoenix side, Jay Crowder was out. We don't know his exact timetable for a return, but they're off. For a couple of days now, the Suns uh, don't play today or tomorrow. They go Sunday, Monday on a back-to-back. And that puts Cam Johnson on the radar. Of course, this is another one where I've got to add the disclaimer. Watch the injury news to find out whether or not Crowder's playing. Because if, if Jay sits and Cam jumps in there and plays 34 minutes on most nights, that's more than enough for him to hit value. So Cam Johnson is an interesting grab, potentially, for Sunday-Monday. On the Boston side, Robert Williams sounds like he's still a little ways away. So if you have him in head-to-head when you got that report yesterday, hopefully you were able to punt on him. Not that you would want to replace him with Tristan Thompson, but uh, Tristan is a rebounding specialist, if that's what you're on the prowl for. More of a roto thing than head-to-head. Boston did start a 5-7 and seven stretch yesterday, but they don't have too many guys that are on the edge that are worth looking into. Tristan Thompson would kind of be the only one, and then, of course, if Time Lord comes back, he gets pushed down a little bit. I think if you needed rebounds in head-to-head, if that was something you were hunting for, that would have been a reasonable grab for 5-7 and seven days. But other than that, not really. New Orleans blew out Orlando, which more teams should be doing, but the the Magic have a way of kind of hanging in there with some clubs, not this one. And uh, the only real news on the Orlando side was that Wendell Carter Jr. sat this ballgame out. Kind of jumped up out of the blue a little bit, but Mo Bamba got the start, and he's a fantasy superstar when he starts basketball games. 17-12, and two blocks, two three-pointers, got to love that. Uh, assuming Wendell Carter Jr. is back soon, that pushes Bamba back to his bench slot, which still, by the way, on a roto side, was enough. And I would certainly argue that from a head-to-head side, they're off for two days, just like the Suns we just talked about. But then the Magic slip into a 5-7 and seven starting on Sunday. They are kind of a team to really pay attention to over the weekend. Because I can't give you the yay or nay on them, because they don't play for a couple of days and we don't do a show on Sunday... Watch the magic injury report. There are a bunch of guys on that team that hang out right near the edge of the cut line that in a five-games-in-seven-days stretch would actually move on the correct side of it. Bamba is absolutely one of those guys, and I could argue he might just be on the right side of it anyway. Cole Anthony is probably on the right side of it, but definitely in five and seven. Chumo Kiki, who had a terrible shooting game. Woof. One for 12? 12. Ouch. Well, that's called bottoming out. He'll be no worse than that. I still like him because he plays the most minutes on the team. And he'll be solid in a 5-7 and seven stretch. Gary Harris won't play the back-to-backs. If Terrence Ross magically reappears, he'd be good in a 5-7 and seven stretch. On the New Orleans side, uh, Stephen Adams left that ballgame with left ankle soreness. It didn't sound that bad, though, so I'm disinclined to say that we need to race out and pick up someone like a Jackson Hayes. That doesn't seem like it needs to happen. They start a 5-7 and seven on the 28th, so five days from now. That's when you're going to be paying attention to who's actually in and out for the New Orleans Pelicans. Maybe they get themselves eliminated between now and then. I doubt it, but it's something to watch because if they happen to pivot towards other guys, that would make a streaming run much more interesting. But there's almost no way that Steven Adams, whatever this is, unless it turns out to be something more serious, that'll be... Probably not news five days from now. 76ers lost in Milwaukee, and they're a rotating cavalry of injured guys. Tobias Harris was back in. Joel Embiid was in for part of the ballgame? Out after 27 minutes, although it's questionable whether or not it would have mattered. They were getting blown out. Final score did not really reflect how the ball game was going. Furkan Korkmaz, who was one of our favorite stream guys for most of this week, he was out with an ankle injury as well. So things really are a bit messy in Philadelphia. They're falling apart at the wrong time. I'll say this. Anytime Ben Simmons is out, you can probably throw Matisse Thybulle in there. He didn't have a particularly good ball game here, you know, running into a buzzsaw like the Milwaukee Bucks and him likely being stuck on Giannis for Whenever he was on the floor, they opted to go a bit smaller running George Hill at the point and Seth Curry at shooting guard. And they brought Diebel off the bench. So with George Hill around now, you have one more thing to worry about what, what I think we can do with Philadelphia and you know, we're through one of their decent little streamer pockets. Now they're sort of into this. You're not really going to mess around with them kind of stuff. They do have a five and seven that starts on May 2nd. That's Sunday of next week. So that's when you can kind of retune back into them. Unless you're looking for Roto individual game drop-ins. And honestly, I wouldn't. The guy was Korkmaz. Dybul was kind of the other potential one. But otherwise, you know, I think at this point, you can just stick with the, the main dudes. Embiid, Simmons when he's healthy. Tobias when he's healthy. Even Danny Green, who had a terrible ball game. But he's been very good for really like the last three and a half months after kind of a slow start. But I wouldn't. I I think Seth Curry you can probably leave on your bench. His usage has plummeted. And I just, I wouldn't screw with them. There's too many other options out there. Meanwhile, on the Milwaukee side, Bobby Portis, blowout artist, got himself a big ball game in a game that the Bucs were winning by a bunch. That's the way it's kind of gone for most of the year. Bringing on P.J. Tucker didn't immediately have an impact because he got hurt right away, but P.J.'s back, and that's going to make things very complicated on the Portis front, so I wouldn't venture into that one. And that leaves you basically with the starters. Easy enough. San Antonio was out down a few guys. I think they figured they could just buy them a little bit of time against a tanking Pistons team. Detroit really—they're—they're they're not in the business of winning ball games. They, they're mildly competitive when they throw their regular starters out there. But yeah, you know, this is just a desire thing. Yaka Peralta was fantastic. Derek White was brilliant. Even Keldon Johnson was good enough when there was no DeJounte Murray or DeMar DeRozan. But that's not going to be the case, so let's not worry too much about the Spurs here. Detroit is continues to be one of the most annoying fantasy teams to try to handicap right now. They do have a five-game week, not next week, but the following one, so it will be worth monitoring them. We can't just completely turn a blind eye, but they've turned into a team where basically everyone on the team has some roto appeal, and almost no one has has head-to-head appeal. And I'll explain myself. Probably done it a little bit this week already, but we can rehash it. The reason I bring it up is because most of the the key guys, the most interesting players on the team at least, are playing in only one half of the back-to-backs. Jeremy Grant, Mason Plumley, even Corey Joseph, yep, Killian Hayes. Those four guys, I would argue, are probably the four best Per game guys on the team, but they don't play every night. So I, I can't, in good conscience, tell you guys you need to start them in a head to head league because even with Detroit, when they do have that good schedule coming up, those guys are not going to be a part of it. The guy that will be a part of it is Isaiah Stewart, and he's sub serviceable, barely sub serviceable when Plumlee's League's in. When he's out, Stewart's been very good. So combine those two things, and if he's playing in all every ball game down the stretch, He's a go in head-to-head. Maybe more so than Roto, although you can start him in the Roto games when Plumlee's sitting out. Sadiq Bey is probably the only guy on the roster where you look at it, you're like, okay, this guy's going to play every game. He's just barely above the cut line in Roto, barely. And then in head-to-head, because he's not sitting games out, he's your guy. He's the one guy on the team with crossover appeal, meaning he can can be your head-to-head guy when the schedule's good, and he can be a Roto guy when the schedule's bad. Josh Jackson is in the mix there, but he's a percentages killer, which makes him more of a head-to-head points league option than anything else. And that's where the Pistons are at right now. They're frustrating. Roto all the stuff, and head-to-head almost none of the stuff. Bulls beat the Hornets, who at this point now you're starting to see the injuries catching up with them. The guys just don't have it in the tank anymore anymore. Terry is running out of gas. Devontae Graham's been decent. Miles Bridges is dunking on everyone, but he's starting to run out of gas. Guys are just being asked to do more than they're accustomed to, and it catches up with them. Hornets had, and it's not quite as juicy anymore, but if you started them yesterday, one of the best schedules in the NBA over that next week, because they just started a 5-7 and seven last night, with this game in Chicago, they go again tonight, they have Sunday, they have Tuesday and Wednesday of next week. Uh, Boston also was in that same bucket we just talked about them a minute ago. So, what do we do? Well, sounds like LaMelo Ball is not that far away. He may be coming back at some point during this 5-7, and seven, but I don't think that's going to push out Graham the way it did earlier this year. Because at that point, Gordon Hayward was playing. P.J. Washington only got 13 minutes in this ballgame. I mean, this is all over the map. So, head-to-head, you have a lot of choices because of the great schedule. Jalen McDaniels is good to go. Rozier, Graham, those are obvious ones. Bridges, that's an obvious one. P.J. Washington, that's in for me. Actually, in both. He's generally been better than this. But I go no further in head-to-head because if anyone comes back, and it would be LaMelo Ball first of the missing big pieces for this team— it probably punts Jalen McDaniels. Bridges probably plays power forward at that point. LaMelo Ball, Devontae Graham, Terry Rozier, those guys are going to be rotating in, and you might see McDaniels start, but the minutes just won't be that high. Or maybe they run P.J. Washington out there, and he plays power forward, and Verdon Carey continues to start and just play a handful of minutes. So don't dive in any further on this team, because things are about to get more crowded. On the Chicago side, Kobe White had a nice ball game. Vooch had a nice ball game. Thad Young, I, I, I just, you guys know I love me some Thad. I still am kind of awestruck at how good he's been on a per minute basis this year. He's completely reinvented himself in like year 13 or wherever he's at in the NBA right now. That's almost unheard of. And I all week long, I've been like, look, you probably have to punt on him because he's playing 17 minutes of ball game. Well, apparently in 20, he's good enough right now. So that is right on the borderline. Uh, Bulls yesterday ended their 5-7. and So you kind of missed the boat on that. Starting today, uh, they only have three games over the next week. And you don't want a three-game week. You want to switch a bull out for someone who has five games over the next seven days. So you get a two-game bump in one roster move over a full week. You should be eyeballing everything in sort of week-size quanta. That's how you should be budgeting it when you make a roster move whatever it might be if you're streaming over seven days it should be a net positive positive. and it's not always the case because sometimes guys are like oh well there's a back-to-back coming up but yeah maybe the guy you dropped had a back-to-back like right after that so over four days it's a wash or over seven days it's a wash you want that seven days to be up you want the games to go up that's how you should be budgeting your moves So all that to say, Thad Young, I think maybe you could still get away with him in Roto a little bit. But over the next week, the only Bulls I would even think about having my roster are Vooch, obviously, and Kobe White. That's it. We don't really know what's going on with Zach Levine. We don't know how hard he's been hit by COVID, but he's been out for now uh, a little over a week. I think he's at eight days, and the initial timetable was 10 to 14. So there's a, a crazy world where maybe he doesn't have it for that long. Maybe he doesn't get blasted by COVID the way that some of these other guys did, and maybe he's back by early next week. We don't know. From a standpoint, I ain't going anybody else. And from a head to head standpoint, this is where you move off of all of your bulls. Lakers got Anthony Davis back, and it didn't go great. Uh, <laughs> I did start him. I thought, screw it, he's going to play 15, 16, 17, 18 minutes, something in that range. And he's Anthony Davis, so what's the worst that could happen? Well,. This was the worst that could happen. I mean, he he redefined Rusty in this ball game. Two for ten from the floor, zero for two at the free throw line. He did block a Kristaps Porzingis jumper, which was kind of cool, I suppose, to block someone who's like seven three. Uh, but honestly, all the Lakers really cared about was getting eighty through this ball game and having him feel fine afterwards. And by all accounts, that's where he's at right now. Feels fine. Minutes will trend up. I'm just going to keep starting him because the second that rust shakes off, he leaps straight into a top 50 valuation in only 20 minutes of ballgame. Really? He's that good. And he could be the number one fantasy player starting next week through to the end of the season. You just don't know. There's no LeBron, so he'll have plenty to do. Andre Drummond looked really good. I don't know if maybe AD coming back kind of invigorated him to go grab every rebound and solidify his centership. KCP's been on a ridiculous heater is that 16 threes, his last three ball game? He, I mean, he's just lighting it up from downtown. He's not doing anything else, but if you need three balls, and he's doing it on a good percentage right now. There you go. And as we talked about before, Dennis Schroeder is your very safe play on the Lakers. He's just been carrying things with no LeBron. I wouldn't venture any farther than that. Kuzma played 31 minutes, but you guys know I don't really much care for his fantasy game. And as the Lakers go, we're basically looking at them as a roto team because they go every other day, starting yesterday, until next Sunday. So there's no good pocket for them. It's five games over ten days. It's every other day. It's not good enough. I want five games in seven days, not five games in ten. So if you're doing stuff with the Lakers, you're eyeballing Roto only, which means fringe guys are out. And fringe guys is basically everybody. Besides Schroeder, AD will be above the fringe here very shortly and i think drummond actually is kind of on the fringe although after this big ball game no one no one's going to be dropping him i don't know that you that as ad ramps up i don't know that andre drummond is actually going to be inside the top 100 but he is for now and there's only what three and change weeks left so for now might be for all at this point we're so close to the end of the year kcp you're not doing it in head to head if you're talking about streaming threes there and specialist style you're doing it from the roto standpoint dallas same story man Two guys that you can use in Roto and like nine dudes you can use for their five game week next week. They have choices beyond our wildest dreams because none of these guys, they don't play today. They play tomorrow and then they're off on Sunday before their big powerhouse stretch run. They've got uh, 13 games over the last three weeks, nine over the upcoming two. So they have a really good schedule after this. Still, I don't think that I would hold on to these fringe guys in a four-game week. That's actually not enough. I need the full five. And the guys that qualify for me in a five-game week, uh, Josh Richardson, Dorian Finney-Smith, Jalen Brunson, and even Tim Hardaway Jr. I think all four of those guys are worth using in a five-game week. Willie Cauley-Stein got a bunch of extra run yesterday because the Lakers are huge. That is not something to hang your hat on. Although Porzingis did turn his ankle, so I guess there's a, a wacky world and Maxi Kleba's been out with a back thing. There's an insane universe where you know maybe there's a Willie Colley-Stein Roto specialist type of thing. If Porzingis and Kleba both miss the next ball game, he and Dwight Powell have a claim to some of those center minutes. Not in head-to-head, though, because if either of those dudes come back, Porzingis or Kleba, immediately that other guy, whoever it is, Colley-Stein or Powell is rendered irrelevant. I want to remind everybody again here as we pivot into the look-ahead part, which, as I'll remind you also, the look-ahead part is a little bit different right now since we're mostly just hunting, scheduling spots. And we can wipe a bunch of teams out. We'll look at a bunch of... I mean, we're going to look at all 30 teams over the weekend like we always do. But I'll tell you, even before we do it, which ones we're looking at for Roto, which ones we're looking at for head-to-head, and which ones we're looking at for both. But I'll also say, mid-show here, that I want to thank everybody that continues to write in on our recruiting situation at Ball. It is happening right now, and as I said yesterday, this is the perfect time to do it. This is the time when everybody else is closing their books on the year. This is the time when you should be like, hey, I'm ready to bust in. It's a fantastic opportunity. Attrition is, has wiped out analysts all across the internet. You'll notice it at almost every website. So, yeah, I mean, supply and demand, people, right now, contributors are in demand. (laughs) I mean, not entirely, but you get my idea. Like, there's never a point at which the needle flips to the other side. Everybody's always a little bit overloaded because demand is so high. But demand is at a, right at the end of a regular season, this is when demand is at an all-time high, trying to think of the right way to phrase it, meaning it's all comparative analysis, but meaning that instead of like 100 or 200 people coming out and trying to be an analyst in December, now you've got 5, 10, 15, that kind of thing. So your competition is a lot lower right now. Think about it, folks. Uh, hit me up on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, or email Hoopball at hoop-ball.com. We want you, he said, pointing at his computer screen like an idiot. DFS contributors, full-season fantasy contributors, this is where it's at. Uh, And I don't know if you guys have seen, but we have have team coverage for like half the NBA right now. If you want to cover a team for any of the other teams, actually any team really, hit me up. And this is not screw-around time either. I want to make that very clear. This is like, you're going to bust it. This is something you want to make of yourself. This is not screw-around time. This is make yourself something. Hit me up, at Dan Vespers. You can also Google search Dan from HoopBall. That'll help you find me as well, or email teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Also, shout-out to our buddies at mybookie.ag. Uh, looking for a few signups this week, friends, and so I'm going to put some prizes on the table. If you are interested in a cash prize, holler at me on Twitter. That's the only way you can get it at Dan Bespris. you got to follow me first so I can DM with you. But get a Twitter account if you don't have one already. Holler at me. I'll show you how we can get you some prizes associated with our buddies over at mybookie.ag. Promo code is HOOPBALL, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L. So this is kind of the first time we've had this already in the playoffs. Look ahead at the upcoming weekend. Last week on Friday, we broke down all four weeks of remaining streaming schedule, and I am not doing that every Friday. I will lose my voice and then my mind, or might be the other order, I don't know. But what we are going to do is we're going to plow through the teams. I'm not going to do it by game. We're going to plow through the teams, because everybody plays at least one game between today and Sunday. Not everybody goes... uh, I mean, there's a couple of teams that I think go today and then are off over the weekend. Clippers are off over the weekend. They have a terrible schedule there. Oklahoma City is off over the weekend, although they bounce back with a five-gamer. So there's a couple of teams that go today that don't go Saturday or Sunday. But who cares? Who cares? Y'all don't care. What you care about is how many games they do today, between today and Sunday, and then which guys actually qualify, depending on what type of league settings you're in. It's hard to do. It's hard to do, because there's so much damn stuff going on right now. So let's just get started at the top. And we'll run through it alphabetically. It'll be much faster than we did last Friday. Atlanta, they go today and Sunday. The news, of course, there, and we've talked about it already. Brandon Goodwin is a great ad uh, for all formats while well, he's filling in for Trey Young. I think when they go 5-7 and seven starting on Sunday, that moves guys like Lou Williams probably on the correct side of the cut line and then monitor them to see if anybody else pops up. And this is what we're going to do, by the way. That's how we're going to roll it. Brooklyn, they go today and Sunday. So they got a two-game week or two games the rest of this week. So they are still okay to use for head-to-head. They have four games next week. And I bring that up because as long as James Harden and Kevin Durant are out, Bruce Brown and Landry Shamet are both better than streamers, meaning that's a roto or head-to-head. Like, I don't care that their schedule is not front-loaded for next week. Bruce Brown in four games would be a very good fantasy play and for the rest of this week. And Landry Shamit is the same story. If they had a five-gamer mixed in there somewhere, then you might throw a guy like a Jeff Green or a DeAndre Jordan into the mix. But to me, that's not quite enough. Boston, they have two games. They go today and Sunday. Uh, Yesterday, again, was the start of a five- and seven-game stretch for them. So you kind of missed the bucket in terms of... If you wanted to pick up like a Tristan Thompson and run him out there for five days, I don't think that anyone else for me really makes the cut. Although Evan Fournier, it sounds like he's back tonight. Kemba Walker's resting. Uh, Jalen Brown is still out. Trist, or, uh, Time Lord is still out. So there are these, and that's a little bit more Roto-y, I think, because I don't know that you can trust all those guys. Kemba will be back for a couple of their upcoming games. Uh, will Brown be back? That's also possible in the very, very short term. Obviously, Jason Tate and Marcus Smart, those guys are going to go nuts. though. but you might also get some pretty big games from Fournier and maybe Peyton Pritchard, if you were looking at it from a, I can pick up a guy in Roto and then drop him the next day type of situation. Charlotte, same story as Boston, and they're a big fat old nothing from a Roto side, and head-to-head, if you didn't grab them yesterday, it's too late. Chicago, they only have one game the rest of this week, so this is a perfect day to abandon ship on the Bulls. They uh, start back up a four-game week early next week, but to me, that was a team you ride some of those fringe guys when they had 5-7, and which started back on the 16th of this month and ended yesterday. Vooch, Kobe White are the guys that stay above the fray. Everybody else, uh, I guess you could throw Thad in there on the Roto side, but everybody else can go. Cleveland. Uh, they go today and Sunday, and on Sunday, they start a 5-7 and seven, like Atlanta does. So that moves a bunch of Calves up and over the cut line that aren't there or haven't been there while they've been going every other day. Worth noting, by the way, Kevin Love will probably sit out some of those back-to-backs. Torian Prince just had ankle surgery, so he's out for the year. So this is absolutely something to monitor tonight for Sunday. The Cavs are a team you really want to pay attention to. Who steps into that Torian Prince role, if anyone? And with Kevin Love set to miss a couple of ball games, do we look at anything there? Or is that going to be Larry Nance just doing more stuff? Cavs have four guys that you're starting regardless. I would even venture to say five. Both guards, Sexton, Garland, uh, Nance, Allen, and Love, I think are good to go in any format, even with Kevin missing a couple of games here and there. He's been good enough lately, even in a three-game week which is kind of where he's going to max out just because he's going to have to be, unless you get really lucky and they're going every other day. And I guess it's possible that he plays on Sunday, but not on Monday, which would give him a four game week this week, but that doesn't really matter. We're talking about Kevin Love, of course. Uh, but keep an eye on the rest of the guys on the Cavs. Does someone like a Dean Wade step back into a bigger role? If Torian Prince with Torian Prince out and Kevin Love missing some back to back. So that's something to monitor. I don't know that anything's really going to come of it. Does Isaiah Hartenstein, maybe does he benefit from this? With a five-game in seven-day stretch, you always want to be paying attention to it. Dallas, only one game the rest of this week. So if you're going to use a map for their five-game week, it kind of has to be a Monday pickup. Unless you're on a bye week, I guess. But uh, there might be better things to do with it anyway. That's a next week. That's a Monday thing. And, you know, we've talked about it already, so nothing there. Tonight, and this is actually a team that I'm surprised hadn't come up before. That's my own fault. I host this podcast myself. The Denver Nuggets, they start a five-game and seven-day stretch tonight. So they go today, tomorrow, Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday of next week. They are the only team in the NBA that starts a five-in-seven-game stretch tonight. That makes them a really interesting team if you just had a guy that ran out on a five-game and seven-day stretch, like a Pistons or the Bulls; those two teams. I think there might be others, but I forget. Just ran out on their five and seven. Their schedules get very light. Uh, both of those teams have three games over the next seven days. You could make a flip to Denver and get a two-game bonus over the following seven days. That's long streaming in a nutshell. Who makes the cut on Denver in a five-game and seven-day stretch? Facundo Campazzo almost definitely does. It's five games and seven days. It's just that's a lot of stats to compile. Uh, Jermichael Green is kind of a maybe. I'm assuming that the main guys are already on a roster, and you're certainly rolling those guys out. Jokic, Michael Porter Jr., Will Barton should be on a roster these days, especially his role increasing. And then with the 5 and 7, it's kind of a no-brainer. And, uh... Yeah, that might be about it, I guess. Uh, if Morris came back, that would throw a bit of a wrench into things. Aaron Gordon, uh, sorry, Aaron Gordon. He's a go, certainly. P.J. Dozier, that's the one I'm forgetting. I knew there was one that it was on the tip of my tongue. P.J. Dozier has been playing like 26 minutes a game lately, so he qualifies actually in a five and seven scenario. If you need kind of a smattering, not a ton of points there, but some boards, assists, steals, blocks, get you a three ball every once in a while. He's a really interesting across the board kind of guy. Where with Compazzo, who might even make more sense in the head to head idea, just because he is good at a couple of things. Generally, those things are some threes, some steals, some assists. Didn't get any steals in his last ball game, but you get my meaning. He, to me, fits the profile a little bit more. Dozier would be my second choice there. And then those other guys are kind of meh. Pistons, this is when you should be getting off of your pistons if you're not in a roto format. They only have three games over the next week. They only have four games over the next ten days before their five-game uh, week may 3rd and we talked plenty about them already warriors two games the rest of this week they are somewhat interesting because kent Bazemore just joined damian lee in health and safety protocols so they are down basically all of their extra wing depth except for jordan Poole. they have a terrible schedule next week though so if you are going to add a warrior it has to be a little bit this is a little bit more roto-y i think Poole, you'd be looking for points some threes Uh, hoping for free throws. You hope he gets to the line there because that's been an area where he's been a positive. Scheduling-wise, though, they have a three-game week next week. So head-to-head stuff. If you're picking up Jordan Poole for today and Sunday, you're moving on after that. There's a three-day stream. But he might be good enough to warrant it. That's the reason I bring it up. Houston, they got a back-to-back, but then next week they don't play until Tuesday. So uh, with two days off there, this is probably a a two-day thing, and I don't think there's a whole lot going on there that I'd want to dive into anyway. Indiana's interesting because they don't play today, but they go back-to-back over the weekend and then roll into a three-game week. So that would be something like if you, had, if you had a really good run ending today on one of your guys, and let's say, and Indy to me is actually a bit more suited for Roto anyway, just because their schedule uh, is really good the last week of the season, but that's kind of it. Like, what if Goga Betadze comes back tomorrow, but no one else does that to me is where you feast in roto on a back-to-back it might even be worth taking a chance if you have to make your move the day before clippers schedule is awful if you don't if they're if you're not a superstar just uh, yeah abandon ship lakers we talked about them already they go basically every other day and we talked about them while covering yesterday's stuff Memphis, they start a 5-7 and seven on Sunday, and we should have a pretty good idea what they got going on today. They're in Portland, by the way. They play the Blazers three times in their next four days, or four games, excuse me. In Portland today, in Portland Sunday, in Denver Monday, brutal back-to-back at altitude, and then hosting Portland on Wednesday of next week. Yikes! You also might see some of their regulars rested on that game in Denver. We've been seeing that as teams go from either Sacramento, Golden State, or Portland to Denver on a back-to-back. Sometimes the regulars sit it out. I would mention uh, Jaren Jackson Jr. does also sit out that back-to-back. So Memphis is interesting because they've got all these guys that are playing 22, 23 minutes a ball game. I'm not doing much with them today because I don't think that anyone on that team is way up and over the cut line. But with the back-to-backs, with the weird altitude thing, you know, guys like a D'Anthony Melton, a Desmond Bain, uh, a Brandon Clark, those guys that actually have been—we love Melton—but those other guys we're talking about is, have very much been on the outside looking in lately. Five games in seven days, they're back on the inside. Miami, they go back to back, and then their schedule stinks. They have two games over the next six days, so I think I'd probably not worry about them. Milwaukee, much like Indiana, has a back to back over the weekend, but that actually starts a five and seven for them. Shame though that Milwaukee doesn't really have anybody that's worth pursuing on a five and seven. Their superstars are nothing at this point. Minnesota, uh, not a great schedule. They do start next week going three times in four days, but they don't have anybody that I'm diving in on. Pelicans, same issue nothing there outside of the regulars. If Steven Adams is ruled out for any extended stretch, then I guess you could dive in on Willie Hernan Gomez from more of a roto standpoint, but we're going to need more information than we have right now. The Knicks, I really want to tell you guys to roll Derrick Rose out there, and you can in a roto format, but there's no one on the Knicks you can do in head-to-head, because their schedule is among the worst. Oklahoma City, they play tonight, then they're off for two days before their five-gamer next week. We've spent plenty of time this week talking about the Thunder and how basically their entire team is a points league roster. But in a five-game week, you can pretty much trot them all out there. Except the guys that are sitting on back-to-backs. I'll just leave it at that. Roto's standpoint, it's pretty much only Dort. Orlando starts a 5-7 and seven on Sunday. I have to admit, one of the, one of the hopes I had in uh, my head-to-head league was that I could use four uh, Corkmaz through Saturday, and then if Maybe Orlando had a couple guys out or back on Sunday. That was going to be the pivot, but had to abandon ship on Corkma's early. Orlando's a team to watch, if only because, you know, what if Terrence Ross comes back on Sunday? He'd be a really interesting grab at that point. Chumo Kiki's been slumping, so I'm seeing him getting dropped in some spots. He could be a really interesting 5-7 and seven type of guy. Uh, Mo Bamba, he's, I think, as we talked about already, he's good enough no matter where you're utilizing him, bench starter, whatever, So something to monitor there with Orlando since we don't really have the data right now and they don't play for a couple of days. Philadelphia, they go four games every other day next week. They start a 5-7 and on May the 2nd. That's where you're keeping an eye on their stuff. Not until the end of next week. Phoenix, uh, they go Sunday and then a four-gamer next week. Cam Johnson is your maybe. Uh, I don't know. I don't think Jay Crowder is going to be out all that long. So that's really more of a roto thing. Portland, they go 5-7 and seven starting on Tuesday of next week. So if you grabbed someone like, I don't know, what are one of these teams we were talking about? Uh, I don't know. What if you grabbed uh, Lou Williams or Brandon Goodwin or something like that on Atlanta, and uh, they go today and then they go Sunday, Monday? What if Trey Young is back? Or what if we had like a good report on him? Is that's a team to switch to? Portland is a team to switch to. Not much there. Carmelo Anthony's kind of the only fringe guy that gets bumped up and over the line in a five and seven scenario for them. But write it down, mark it down. Portland is your Tuesday. Kings. Uh, well, there you go. There's a there's one. If guys start disappearing in Sacramento, they go Sunday Monday. And you can switch to Portland after that if you wanted. I, the Kings are annoying right now. They kind of went back to an older lineup. Damian Jones is the guy that you wonder if maybe he's playing himself into some more minutes. Uh, to me, that's more of a Roto thing because uh, their schedule isn't that delightful, but I suppose you never know. Spurs just finished up a 5-7, and seven, so they're kind of off the board until next Sunday, so just put them out of your mind. Toronto, they play tomorrow. I think you're going to see the starters basically play the rest of the way for this team. So what you saw on Wednesday was not that insane. And then Kem Birch and Freddie Gillespie are the guys you're looking at as maybe now having enough in a five-game week. I mean, you might have been a team that didn't even compete in blocks. If Freddie Gillespie gets in there and plays 22 minutes a game for five games, he could get you 10, 11 blocks next week. That's a really interesting thing to consider. Kem Birch would be much more the, you know, he'll get you like four threes, 30-something rebounds, probably 40 points. I mean it's a pretty good week, but less exciting. A higher floor lower ceiling kind of thing. Jazz uh meh, no. And Wizards, they start 5 and 7 on Sunday. If Daniel Gafford isn't already added, today would be a great day to do it. Aul Neto, not a terrible guy to look at as well with the game today and then Sunday rolling into the 5 and 7. So he's also on the board. Uh, Wizards, one of those teams where maybe you get a jump on their five and seven, and they're they're huffing it right now. Wizards are are going for it. Their schedule's not really bad the rest of the way at all, but you do tend to want to kind of break up your seven day long streams because uh, if you get a five and seven, there's no way it can be another five and seven just because there's going to be a few days off uh, around sandwiched around that other ball game. So, like for example. The Wizards go 5-7 and seven starting Sunday, and then next Saturday is when that finishes, then they go off day, game, off day. So one game over three days, and then another back-to-back. But that, to me, you can't, you can't be holding a fringe guy for one game in three days. Unless there's a back-to-back on both sides of it, and you used your move on to start one of those back-to-backs. That's where it has to be. So... That's your board. That's your board right now. I've got a bunch of thinking myself to do. i got one move left. Do I use it? Do I save it? Do you save it in case someone gets hurt over the weekend? I don't know. I think I'm inclined to say you can use it. Because right now, if you have someone on your team, say, that only has one game the rest of the weekend, use your move. Turn that into two games. If one of your other guys gets hurt, you probably only lose one game over the weekend. And... I guess the difference would be you, you make the move on that guy and then it would roll into the following week. So there's a case to be made to maybe save your last move until Sunday. Uh, but I don't. I, I think there's an, uh, an equally reasonable case to be made that you use your last move today on anybody who only has one game the rest of this week. And then, like we've talked about, there are a bunch of teams that have two games the rest of this week and are rolling right into a strong start to next week. Personally... You know, we talked about the Wizards. they being a good pickup on on Sunday and rolling through. Personally, uh I, I kind of like the teams that go three games the first four days of next week. If you can position yourself for that, like Denver, that's a great one since they start their five and seven tonight. You just it you just don't have to worry about it for a while, you know. And there aren't that many overload days next week. It's a, it's a pretty beefy schedule, but it's it's spread a little bit more than this week was. Like everybody played Wednesday this week. Next week, I think Saturday is a pretty busy day. I think Wednesday has is relatively busy, but it's not as overwhelming as this week was. Okay. Okay. Go get a fantasy pass. Follow me on Twitter. Check out mybookie.ag. Check out our buddies at manscaped.com. You guys know the drill at this point. Good luck this weekend. Uh, Hit me up on Twitter if you got questions. I'm going to try. I got really busy yesterday. I'm going to try to get back into that today. That is, again, at Dan And If you want to join the recruiting process, now's the time. D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Email teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Have a great weekend, everybody. Monday, we'll roll into another week of streams. Let's do this. Oh, by the way, last thought. If you're in Roto and you're like more than 10 to 15 games behind pace, catch the bleep up. You might have to stream to do it. Okay, now for real this time. Have a great weekend, everybody.